everybody. Welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. We are really excited today to be giving you a bonus episode. We're going to be talking about a new show on Disney Plus. We're talking about the new Turner and Hooch. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and I'm so excited about who we have here to talk about the show. We have my very good friend and original co-host of this podcast, Amber's back. What? Amber's back? <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh, so I'm so happy to be podcasting again with you. And how have you been? Oh, I mean, to be fair, not the greatest. <laughs> um, I'm currently recovering from a car accident. Yes. So other than that, not the greatest. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody had the greatest year in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I did I did lose my job and yeah. Now I have a new job, so that's great. But mm-hmm. you know, topsy turvy, whatever. Yeah. That's not why we're here. We are here <laughs> to discuss a dog show with someone who yeah. doesn't even really like dogs. <laughs> well, see, yeah, when you suggested that we cover the show, I was really surprised because you, up until I had, uh, up until this, I thought you didn't like stuff with dogs as much as stuff with cats. Yeah, well, frankly, I don't. I do not know what it is about this show that like spoke to me, but I was, I am in, I am all in on Turner and Hooch. (laughs) Yeah. And we're just going to cover the first five episodes because there's going to be 11 total, I think. And so then we'll cover the final six, I guess next week, or I mean, I guess whenever, and it'll be in six weeks, whenever, whenever the final are done, that's when we'll cover. (laughs) Love it. Very good. Yeah. Had you seen the, the feature film with Tom Hanks? Yes. Um, when I was like a kid, I had definitely seen the original Turner and Hooch. And then I actually watched it like a year ago, probably mm-hmm. uh, just because it was on Disney plus and, you know, you just scroll yeah. Disney plus when you're having a bad day. Um, and you know, I liked it fine. It was fun. Tom Hanks is great. So mm-hmm. But, and I was like 0% interested in this reboot, right? Mm-hmm. And then I got in my car accident and I think I had to watch all of the television that has been produced in the past 17 years of our lives. So I was like, okay, Turner and Hooch, it's your turn, I guess. Yes. And then I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> like drooling dog and all, I'm uh-huh. on board. Yeah. It it is really cute. I really enjoyed. It. I think the writing is really solid. And were you someone who was a fan of Josh Peck in uh, his uh, Disney Channel days? You know, I actually never watched his show or Nickelodeon. Yeah, it's Nickelodeon. I was a Disney girl, a Disney Channel girl, and I wasn't really into the Nickelodeon stuff, so I actually never watched Drake mm-hmm. and Josh. Yeah. But- Every, you know, every clip of that show that I've seen through history, I was like, ah, oh, that kid's funny. Mm-hmm. The Josh. Yeah. Um, you think that he was a good hire to play, Tom, you know, Tom Hanks role? Fit that Tom Hanks? You know, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I don't think he has the exact charisma that Tom Hanks has, but nobody mm-hmm. has Tom Hanks exact charisma. Yeah. I think he's doing a really good job yeah well and that's what you want in this kind of a thing like you want them to make it their own 
and not be an exact carbon copy of what was previously done or what's the point. Yeah, exactly. And I think he does bring a lot to the character. I think his character, I, I think what I really like about the show is that I can see so much potential for his Scott character, like growth for his character. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the show is actually a show that will allow him to grow in such a way. Uh, like even just in the pilot with him, like coming to see the value in the dog, <laughs> right. um, it just already shows that the show is willing to let him grow and learn. And that's, you know, what's the, what was the point of watching anyone do anything if they're just stagnant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's already, even it's just that pilot, he already like, changes quite a bit and is a you can tell he's going to be a pretty dynamic character which is again what you want exactly especially from Mm -hmm. your main character someone who is going to be the face of the show carrying Mm -hmm. the show Mm -hmm. um i will say that i did love where his character started i liked Mm -hmm. the like fastidious doofus loner who like had a name for his robot vacuum right (laughs) <laughs> because in fact that is me <laughs> i i have a shark robot named bruce that cleans my house for me so i mean i just really like i, I think yeah. a lot of the, i feel like i see myself in a lot of the characters in this show mm-hmm. and i think that's probably why i really like it well and i think this show is filmed in vancouver vancouver is uh, san francisco correct yes vancouver for yeah. san francisco and so it has a ton of people that we know and love. That is so uh, true. Homework world. <laughs> Absolutely. And it also has, I haven't seen, I don't think this guy, I don't think Brandon J. McLaren has been in a bunch of Hallmark stuff, but the guy who plays Xavier. Oh yeah. I, yeah. He's very funny. I love him because yeah. he was in She's the Man. He was Toby and She's the Man. Mm. And you know, that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. The movie yeah. I saw most in theaters. Well, we also get, uh, we have Vanessa Lenguiz. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her last name, sorry. Uh, but she was in a Hallmark movie last year, last Christmas, I believe. You know, I. Uh, this is going to make everyone sad, but I sort of had to take a break from Hallmark for my emotional well-being, just because I was like overdone, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I was dealing with a lot of things. And um so I missed that one, but I'll probably yeah. go back and watch it because I love her. Yeah, so it was called Heart of the Holidays. And it, it, it was pretty basic, you know, the girl coming back to the small town, you know, kind of thing. But she was, she was very cute in it and has um, Corey Sevier in it, uh, who's you know, pretty good. So yeah, so she's done a little bit of Hallmark at least. And yeah, I agree with you. She is very charming and immediately you're rooting for her because she is on the side of the dogs, which is very. Well, I mean, she's, she is a dog lady. She, yeah. she trains dogs. She has dogs. She loves dogs. Mm-hmm. She understands dogs. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, she's obviously as far as like the hooch part of the storyline, like very important. Mm-hmm. She's, she's super necessary to the show but also I mean for me I care the most about the Scott and Erica of it yeah. all like yes I, and- I I feel so much I den- I identify so much with the Erica character mm-hmm. in that she is like you know just like instantly like some dude and is like honestly she's not doing the best job for herself <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's not being her best advocate 
as far as like she's not even really putting herself out there but she she's putting a lot of like she's investing a lot emotionally into this she's putting a lot of emotional yeah. capital into something but without even like building anything she's yeah. making a lot she's... of mistakes that I I'm it's just the, the very like easy to relate to character of the girl just looking across the room and just wanting to have a relationship with this person but then and and like the 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 this the signals just keep getting missed yeah we'll absolutely. talk more about that when we go through the episodes but but yeah, I mean, it's kind of a Jim and Pam in that way, sort of a situation with her being Jim. Yeah. I just think all of us can relate to having a crush on somebody and you just don't have the courage to do it. You just, you're just sort of watching. It's tough. And you're just like, you know what, maybe if I just am like there for them and super supportive, eventually they'll see how great I am. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get super real because nobody who listens to this will actually even know. But so for the past, like starting July of 2020, I was a moderator for a Twitch streamer who I was like legitimately in love with. Okay. He like lived in a different part of this country, whatever. (laughs) And I was honestly just like there for him all the time. I felt, I feel very, a lot of similarity in the like, he calls yeah. and he needs help. I'm here to help. Yeah. And like, and he's just like, does not see me for that at all. It was just, anyway, I felt a lot of that yeah. dynamic there. I yeah. think it was very, it's been very um, therapeutic yeah. for me to see I've, her behaviors and recognize those actual behaviors in myself mm-hmm. and be like, like, it's, I'm, I'm certain it's going to work out for her <laughs> in sure. the show. Cause if it doesn't, I'm going to be furious, <laughs> but I can also see where, what she's doing is not healthy for her. Um, right. and, and even at the end of this, I mean, I guess we're just talking about all five of them in whole, right? Like, so we can spoil right. the fifth episode, even at the end of the fifth episode, when she goes to like make that phone call, that's, I mean, I think that's like such a good step for her that she's like now moving past, like just being a, like a doormat that wants love to being like a person who is going to assert themselves and mm-hmm. say like this is sort of what I where I'm coming from yeah yeah and, and yeah her confidence is growing which is fun to see uh, and then we also have Becca Tobin playing kind of the other woman in yes. his life uh Brooke, the attorney who he has a past relationship with yes. and of course beck has been in tons of hallmark movies <laughs> and you know the thing i actually really like about what they're doing with brooke is that she's not like the worst right she's she seems like a perfectly good option you don't think like well why in the heck is scott even interested about her why has he been hung up on her for five years because mm-hmm. you can see it because she's beautiful she's kind she's smart she's she's fun I mean at the end of this fifth episode she's not super uptight and rigid she's like willing to help wash the dog which is just like a huge mess mm-hmm. you know, so you, yeah, you can yeah. see you can see where there's the the you know why they would be a relationship and I think mm-hmm. actually her sort of button down you know very tidy exterior and the way that she carries herself really informs where we saw Scott at the first of the series because he was you know all about that right 
Well, and, and if, it seems like he wasn't that way when they were dating and now he's tried to become that person. I think that as well. I think he's tried to become what he thinks she wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Hooch is sort of pulling him out of that and mm-hmm. sort of pulling him more into himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that means, you know, they both sort of will grow it. Like, who knows? Who knows? We haven't reached the end of the show yet. But I, I think I really like the dog. I don't like dogs, but the dog as a plot device in this show is very effective because it acts as an inciting incident in all cases. Mm-hmm. Ooch coming into Scott's life and Erica's life and even Brooke's life is forcing them to accommodate something other than themselves because unlike Erica, Hooch doesn't just do what he wants for like the other people. Like Hooch is going to address Hooch's needs before he addresses Scott's needs, which is people are like, oh, I don't think that's how dogs work, but that's how Hooch works in the story. Like technically Hooch is sort of, I guess, like an omniscient third person because he just sort of like knows in advance Mm. what we need to do, what's best for the characters, even if the characters don't know themselves, but. Well, and you see Hooch as a as a dog changing too like he is different by the fifth episode than he is in the first episode well I don't necessarily know that Hooch himself is changing I just Mm -hmm. think that as Scott is changing Mm -hmm. and learning to understand Hooch better Hooch is more responsive to what Scott needs Mm -hmm. it's like it's like Hooch doesn't respond to artifice at all Mm -hmm. So the more real Scott is becoming, the more Hooch is responding to Scott. Yeah, true. Very good. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a few of the other characters. The main I will talk about every character. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we also have, uh, we have uh, Jessica or Jess played by Kara Patterson. She is, uh, she is Scott's uh, partner, but she is uh, pregnant, very pregnant. Uh, and by the end of the fifth episode, she is basically on full uh, desk duty. But yeah. what do you think of uh, Jess as a character? I really like her. I think she's a, a great female character, which I think is, I kind of hate qualifying, like a great female character, mm-hmm. but she is. And she's, what I really like about her is that she is sort of the embodiment of what I see as feminism. <laughs> because she you know she's doing she's following her own passions um while also maintaining a relationship that is fulfilling for her with a partner that is supportive and like obviously they still disagree they have disagreements they were like arguing about like the stroller that they wanted to get so like it's not like their life is like perfect and whatever it just seems very like real and honest and I think because she is finding fulfillment you know in her work or whatever her passions are and she's following her passions in you know having a family and having a strong relationship because she's coming from that position of like strength and support she is able to just be very real and confident in what she believes and it does make her a little bit like I know more about what's good for you Scott than you do yourself Mm -hmm. But I don't mind that because it's coming from a place of love and she doesn't do it in like a jerk way. And she technically is his mentor. So I was going to say, she has more experience than him. So that does make sense. I mean, professionally, but personally, like she, 
and she's just like being his partner and goofy and mm-hmm. I, love I love that yeah. I'm I'm a little bit sad that we are going to not have as much of that dynamic as I'm assuming she's going to have the baby and have maternity leave or whatever so they're not yeah. partners together but I do like that it sort of looks like we're going to be getting more Xavier who I think is a great foil for Scott. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I agree. It's nice to see somebody that's pregnant without having it be something that stops them from doing what they're, you know, what they want to do with their dream jobs that they're able to keep being a function. Sometimes there's this thing of like, well, you can't, you can't do anything. You can't lift anything. You can't, you know, and I like that she's kind of this character that's still powerful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I would argue that she of all of the marshals mm-hmm. is the is the marshal who is the most powerful in mm-hmm. that she is the only one who I mean, Xavier is pretty sure of himself and confident in who he is. Mm-hmm. But she, I think she's maybe even a little bit more so. Yeah. Well, let's talk about his sister Laura, played yes. by Lindsay Finesca. Yes. And that's an interesting dynamic because she's a vet and vet tech. Uh, She's trying to. No, she's just a veterinary assistant. Okay. Whatever. She's trying to. She hasn't taken her test to be a vet tech. That's a whole, it's like a whole subplot. (laughs) So she is trying to, she's trying to go to school to be a uh, a full-time vet, but she also uh, is, uh, she she has a son and then she also is dealing with, the, they're both dealing with the death of their, their father. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that's kind of really pushing this sort of investigation into the past, uh, this case that their dad was looking into. Basically, it seems like their dad had one huge case that was very big. And then after that, he was kind of relegated to Um, like small town crime and things like that but he had this one thing that he was investigating before he died well I mean I think it makes sense that you know to be fair smaller towns typically don't have big flashy crimes Mm -hmm. it's not like the little towns in Garage Del Mystery or Aurora Tea Garden where there's like a big murder every three months like Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> a big complicated murder right. every few months um which i think just makes sense like most of the time there's not like many many murders in yeah. a very small and i don't town think that, that san francisco is like some kingpin of organized crime like well <laughs> i mean san francisco sure but they're not actually from san francisco they're from like a smaller town yeah up. like bay area or something yeah, yeah. so I mean, it, it just makes sense that yes the dad as the like chief of police in a small town mm-hmm. wouldn't yeah. have the big flashy career that Scott was looking for. And I like this relationship between Scott and Laura. I think that they have a very, uh, a very sweet, relatable brother, sister relationship. Would you agree? Yeah. I really like their chemistry and their dynamic. Mm -hmm. Laura is starting to get into the territory of like, you need to just let police handle things. You goof like because she's not a cop and she's doing all these like cop things like when she's staking out some criminal mastermind's house or she was like gonna go into like the drug dealer assault guy's house by herself like you're an idiot no first of all that's not how police work 
what, what did he so in like this last episode scott said was like a that's not how the law works and b and i just feel like that's a little bit of how i feel with laura right now she's starting to become that for me so i'm hoping they can yeah. that i can see that like either she needs to decide that she wants to be a cop and then investigate or what but i don't need her to be like a vet who investigates crimes mm-hmm. so her ex-husband is named Ooh. Grady. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and he is somebody that we know and love. It was our first celebrity interview on this podcast. <laughs> it's Paul Campbell. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy that he would play two characters who are super like relaxed or whatever you want to call it that are both named Grady. <laughs> He's so funny. And the thing is, I was just watching the show. And then all of a sudden there was a surprise. You know? Campbell? No. Oh, so we I, all knew. Because- I almost died. Because <laughs> he did a watch along in, um, oh gosh, it was in May or April. I can't remember. But uh-huh. anyway, he did a watch along with us and we watched Surprised by Love, where his character is named Grady. Uh-huh. Anyway, and so then he told us all about uh, Tuner and Hooch. And so anyway, we uh, all of us patrons, which you can here. sign up for. <laughs> participate in the watch alongs check it out in the description we we have so much fun at the watch alongs and anyway we watched surprise by love with paul campbell and uh that was super fun and uh, so yeah i was uh because he had he had built it as oh i'm i play a cop and really like i would say he's like 10 percent cop 90 percent ex-husband at least so far yeah so far i mean so far but i can imagine that as we start doing more stuff in his jurisdiction right because he's basically walking the same beat as their dad so anything that they're investigating is going to be in his neck of the woods Mm -hmm. he'll be the person who will ultimately end up being the arresting officer i'm sure yeah i mean he's definitely going to become more and more involved and we're going to see him and laura more uh, interacting Mm -hmm. uh and so that was really fun. He did a great job, of course, because he's, he's great. <laughs> and so the, the, so the thing I want to talk, because a lot of this show has been a lot of me realizing like the importance of advocating for yourself, <laughs> which I guess is crazy. Um, I feel like their relationship is a good study in that, in that mm-hmm. Laura, it seems, has not been advocating for herself was not really advocating for herself in that relationship. Right. And because she didn't do that, um, you know, she was resented Grady for all this stuff that he wasn't doing. But at the end of the day, like, if you don't tell people what you need, obviously you can't expect them to fulfill that need. And I think vice versa, like, mm-hmm. I mean, if she needs him to be someone who you know steps up or whatever she needs to communicate with that and then at that point when he if he doesn't listen obviously that's all on him but you need to I think I think self-advocating is probably the mm-hmm. best thing that anyone can do for themselves it's true and we can't assume that people are mind reader readers yeah yeah that's very true uh so there are a couple other characters there's uh there's uh detective Menendez or Shara. Uh, I don't know what his title is but um, anyway, Anthony Ruvivar, mm-hmm. anyway, he is hilarious. I really like him because yeah. Hooch loves him. <laughs> he gets so annoyed. He's like, you're ruining my suit. Please don't. 
I think he's funny. He's, yeah, he's he, he plays uh, Scott's boss. Basically, he's he's great as the like chief, right? Because yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not I chief. Think I that's the word. I was Do they call for. him chief? I don't think. I but he's he's essentially the down. chief role. Like if this, yeah. this was just a regular police department, he's the chief. He's the yeah. the guy who gives out cases and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And he does a great job. And sort of a twist on the traditional chief role, where the chief is either like is usually like super grumpy and like super harsh or like doesn't get it and doesn't understand or whatever and that's usually why the cop who we focus on has to go like off the books a little bit you know well that's typically what we see in yeah for sure um but i feel like as a chief like he really gets it and i also appreciate that they show him like sort of understanding where people are coming from but also that he sort of is um hindered by the politics of it all right like he uh has to like even even he's susceptible to like trent the jerky marshals like flattery and things like that and he you know he has his like higher ups that he has to follow up through so when there's things that like scott does that is a little bit off and he doesn't love it his higher ups are like no this is great and he's like so i guess it's great uh, I just, I appreciate the, I feel like there's a lot, like, obviously it's sort of like a heightened version of reality, this show, but I feel like it's grounded in a lot of realism, which I think yeah. is part of the reason why it works. And the emotion and the relationships are, are real, I think are realistic. Maybe the cases aren't particularly realistic, but yeah. it doesn't really matter if you're, it's just like, I mean, I love Drop Dead Diva and the cases were ridiculous on that show, but I love the characters and I did relate to a lot of what the characters were experiencing, even though it had the supernatural kind of component to it. And yeah. so it, 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 I think it's the same kind of dynamic in the way as far as the, is you relating to the characters. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, then we also have Xavier. And oh, he's really funny. Um, he is uh, one of the other agents. Uh, and once Jess gets uh, grounded, then Scott has to work with Xavier. And he's like, you're really chill, probably pot smoking <laughs> who is, is uh, engaged uh, to uh, a woman named Olivia. And uh, I, yeah, he's, he's very funny. Very good. Yeah. I love everything. Honestly, I love everything about him. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love his relationship with his fiance. Like they're so funny. I would watch an entire show just about them solving crimes together being hilarious. (laughs) Um, But I think he's like, I really think he's great for Scott. It's like, if this is a hero's journey for Scott, right? Um, He'd basically be the Gandalf (laughs) Uh, or or the Dumbledore, you know, obviously he's not like that old or whatever, but he's sort of like the sage wisdom guy who leaves sort of, open-ended or like vague guidance that ultimately sees Scott through the day um so I think as far as like a story device he tells a great story but even in that I think his character is is still grounded in reality like I don't think he's just like a caricature of himself but in a way he is, I don't know how to describe what I feel about him, but I just love everything about him. I think he's, he's perfect. He doesn't have any sort of social restraints. He just is who he is. Yeah. 
And, and that's always like in real life, it would be super frustrating, <laughs> but as a character on a show, it's pretty fun. I mean, except for he's, he's supportive, right? He's not like mm-hmm. a selfish person who doesn't have any social like restraints. It's just sort of, it's sort of like he's operating on a higher level than everyone else Yeah, because he's, he's the opposite of the chief, right? I mean, they're, they're kind of two sides of the same coin wherein they both do a good job. They get it. Whereas the chief is fully understands the politics of all of it. And he like plays that game. Mm -hmm. Xavier does not deal with deal with any of the politics right yeah and he he's not in it to you know advance his career necessarily like obviously he probably has goals career-wise but if he has to like play a lame game to get there I don't think he he would play that game right and unfortunately the structure of our society is that if you don't play the game you're not going to get as far as you want to go but true maybe well, fictional last... society or <laughs> different last person is matt hamilton who i mean matt hamilton plays trent yeah. and uh and he has been in tons of hallmark movies he's almost always the wrong guy well, in almost every single hallmark movie and i think that he has that down uh, he's been in a, a couple or tea gardens. He's been in, he's been in tons of Hallmark movies and, uh, yeah, I think he's got that role of kind of the, uh, the, a bit, uh, the show off the, the, uh, and he, he does that really well, I think actually. Yeah. And, and the thing is about him, uh, of all the characters that we've seen, literally of all the characters that we've seen, he's the most one note. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's by design. Obviously, he's a a good enemy, as it were, mm-hmm. or you know. Um, but I I hope that as the show progresses, we get a little bit, a little bit of a different side to him because no one in life is one sided. Right. No one in life is one note. Like um, it works to have the bad men of business for a homework movie because because they're not the focus of the movie. You just need to get them in and out and get the character on with going back to the small town, right? So you yeah. just need it to be that kind of stark thing. It works. But for a show, if a character is going to be in repeatedly, you need to have some character growth. Which is part of the reason why I think I I like television so much more than movies for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because, I, you know, how I love secondary characters and, right. and all that stuff. <laughs> I like being able to breathe with the characters, mm-hmm. um, to be able to, to see a character from episode one to where they are, you know, in the series finale and go like, look at how far they've come. Even if it's like a character who doesn't really grow that much, but they, you, you still sort of get to know them more, right. even if they, even if, cause there are people who don't change, like mm-hmm. even despite a bunch of different situations, they just, sometimes people mm-hmm. just don't change. Right. I mean, sometimes people just don't grow it's it's a part of of life is that Mm -hmm. other people cannot grow but you should always be striving to grow anyway um but I think it's very important in a tv show and it's something that tv shows allow you to do is that even the smallest characters who you see more than once you get to know them more because every Mm -hmm. storyline and every episode 
is a little different. So even if you're just seeing them, but like Trent, we've seen him twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's been kind of one note, we've or like one song, right? Mm-hmm. We've heard different notes from him. We've mm-hmm. seen him react in this situation and how he reacts in this situation, which informs more about how we feel about this character. And hopefully we'll get to know like, why is this character the way that this character is? We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Terry Ferris, author of You Belong With Me and Until I Met You, returns readers to the charming town of Heritage, Michigan in the Restoring Heritage series finale. Fans have enjoyed immersing themselves in the complicated, funny, and endearing lives of this small town. And since you've been gone, Ferris offers another romantic tale where sparks fly when two people at odds in the past must learn to trust each other to ensure a better future. Not only do you get one great romance in Since You Begone, but it also has a sweet secondary relationship, which includes themes of faith, forgiveness, and love. Pick up Since You've Been Gone wherever you purchase your books or use our affiliate link. For more information on the Restoring Heritage series, visit www.terryferris.com books. That's www.terryferris.com slash books. Let's talk about the episode. So this will be kind of spoilery. So if you don't, if you haven't seen these five episodes and you don't want any spoilers, then, you know, just know that we like the show and <laughs> stop from here. <laughs> but uh, we'll dive into a little bit. So the first, the pilot is called Forever and a Dog. And this is obviously your and setup. I know I'm so ridiculous. I think the titles are so funny. <laughs> I am re- I like I feel so stupid every time but every time I see an episode title I'm like nailed it that's a good one yeah uh they they especially the second one we'll talk about that no, second. Uh, the second one yeah. okay so. okay so this is your pilot setting up the the whole idea of the show obviously and uh you have him get the dog and the dog is a nightmare <laughs> destroys his apartment yeah, including his robot. And yeah. rest there, in peace, Rumi. There is a uh, a guy on uh, on uh, witness protection that they're trying to help, and uh, they have a agent there, Agent Long, who's played by Hallmark regular Matthew McCall, who mm-hmm. I always really like him. And uh, we get to introduce to all the characters to Vanessa, I mean, to Erica. Uh, and uh, she says at one point, you probably have tons of girlfriends. <laughs> I know, no. she's so funny. She's so awkward. I think I also love that about her. Like, she's like super nice and like super funny, but also she's like a total mess. Yeah. She says, people see what they think they should see, but dogs see what's there. She's really yeah. cute. Uh, he also has a letter from his dad. Uh, and he kind of is hesitant to read it at first. Uh, and then he, it says, everything I cared about started with a dog. Yeah. Cute. Very cute. And uh, then uh, that they figure through different things, they figure that Hooch, maybe he was barking at the agent, not the lawyer. Mm-hmm. And then they start to get, uh, they suspect Agent Long uh, start to suspect him and uh, then there is a uh, bank heist and uh, they're going to shoot they're going to shoot the um the agent and the bank heist are going to shoot the witness and basically agent long is bitter because he feels like 
he spent years and years trying to track down this guy who did all this terrible stuff. And now this guy's getting this witness protection and getting all the perks. And he's, he's hardly got anything got any for, for what he did. What did you think of the, as far as the case in this one? I'm going to be honest. The cases for the most part, I don't even care about. <laughs> um, Cause for me, it's about the characters, right? Yeah. But the cases I think are interesting in that they, like I, like, you know, like I said, they allow us to see the characters in different situations. Um, and I think as a first episode, it's, it's really a good sort of a metaphor for the journey Scott goes on in the episode, wherein you think that, you know, the agent is just like, obviously like a, by the books guy or whatever. And then it turns out he's not, it's sort of a metaphor for Scott, where we start out seeing him as this like, buttoned down play by the rules guy and we figure out that he's better off somewhere else which i'm not you know what i'm saying like yeah. there's certain like like once again they're the opposite sides of the same coin um so i think that's interesting but i think as far as the stories go this one's probably the one that i liked the least as far mm-hmm. as the cases um but i think it was actually a very good first case it wasn't very complicated but it it allowed us and gave us the room to introduce all of the characters that we need. As far as like exposition goes, I think it yeah. serves the storyline very well. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that uh, it's, it, it was, it did the job that needed to do. So what would you give this one? If you're saying one to 10 uh, for like the case, the case the episode a as a whole, but the episode as a whole, honestly, I'd say it's probably like a seven. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I wasn't sold on the show on the first episode. I'm going to mm. be like, I was just still watching it. Yeah. I feel like that's always the case. She's got to power through the, the pilot. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a four episode rule where I will give any show, unless I absolutely hate it, four episodes to, to sell me on itself. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, by a- the time you get to the fourth episode, you should really know like yeah. what the show's going to be. I agree. There's a few shows that like just hit it out of the park with a pilot like the nanny's pilot is i think perfect well sure but i mean but i'm not going to quit on a show if i yeah. see it has some potential until the fourth episode yeah i i think that's a good rule very good all right then in episode two is a good day to dog hard <laughs> which honestly this is where i got sold i said sold sir i'm sold i think this is the best episode of the five it's definitely case-wise yeah so scott and hooch babysit a diplomat's daughter and wind up saving the olympic committee so this i mean you can tell by the title that this was a almost parody of die hard even to the point of him wearing the um the tank the white white tank (laughs) the tank and having his foot cut on by glass yeah with a machine gun and it's i this, so I didn't actually pay attention to the episode titles until after this episode. So I actually was taken a little bit by surprise by the, the diehard of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they got to the point where he was like, <laughs> he, he cut his foot on the thing. Yeah. And he was in the tank top. I went, oh my goodness, is this a diehard episode? And I was dying. Yeah, I was yeah, so yeah. excited. Um, yeah. and, they, and I think they did a great job of setting up the diehard parallels without being like too over the top. 
Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like inappropriate because obviously Die Hard is an R-rated film, but there were just those homages that will entertain those who have seen Die Hard, but there's nothing in it that like people won't enjoy it if they haven't seen Die Hard. Yeah, and uh, him calling him cowboy, funny. And then when he says, yippee, Kaya's in trouble. Yes. I died. (laughs) It was so funny. I also loved when he's like, I don't eat carbs. What is this? Yeah, it's so really funny. (laughs) It's it's it was a really good, it was a great diehard episode. I think Mm -hmm. probably you know shows often do a diehard episode. Um, mostly because it's just such an easy, I mean, they didn't do it as a bottle episode, but because for a show, having a diehard themed episode or whatever is good because it's sort of a bottle episode. You really only have to have the like one location. True. Um, but they went to different locations for this episode. So that's not why they did it. They made an intentional choice. Like we're going diehard episode two. And everyone was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but I think I, I just really like it because yeah. it was fun. And mm-hmm. it it didn't really teach us anything about scott himself as far as the episode goes but i it allowed us to know that the show was willing to be silly right well and it it just does such a good job of of making him the underdog that you could really root for you know Mm -hmm. not that we hadn't in the first episode but when the the reason why some of the later diehard movies are no good is because they made him too powerful he's not the uh, he's not the underdog anymore. He's not the, you know, the, the cops just trying to have, a, you know, a, a regular day and he gets caught up in this craziness. Uh, and that's what makes the, the Die Hard movies good. And so when you can capture that in, in this character, it's very appealing. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, the, the, the use of the dog <laughs> in the mm-hmm. show um, has, it really is the first time that Scott truly uses hooch in an interesting way mm-hmm. using him to fetch the shoe when he's taking out all the cameras True. Was, yeah. was a brilliant use of having a dog in a way that's not a typical way that you would think of using a dog in a police in a canine unit yeah and i should say so this show is the pilot was directed by mick g and the whole show is produced and created by mick g and I think you can tell because McGee is a, a filmmaker who makes a lot of kind of pulp action type movies like Charlie's Angels and, and things like that. And I think he brings, because it's pretty violent, more than I was expecting for the for a Disney Plus show. Yeah. And then I think also, didn't he also do the OC? Didn't he also produce the OC or am I wrong? Um, I don't know. He did. I just, okay. I just found him. Yeah. So he did the OC. So I think that, and also he did the Duff, which I, you know, he produced the Duff, um, which are two shows that I really like as far mm-hmm. as like, you know, the teen experience, which is not what we're having here, but I, they're both quite humorous. They have a lot of pop culture references in the OC. Um, and I think he brings that sort of element to his work where there's mm-hmm. always just like a level of fun. And maybe yeah, that's and why I, it's, I think it's just really well done, the whole show. And he produced uh, Chuck, which also is another show with that kind yes. of you know dynamic. What? Now that you say that, and I probably should have known that, it does, at least all of the police aspects, all of mm-hmm. the like case stuff, 
does feel very Chuck. Yeah. In the, I, just like in like the action elements, the scenes mm-hmm. where it'll be, you know, like these guys are doing like, oh, just like in this episode where they had all of the like dogs walking all cool with their handlers. Mm-hmm. And then they had Scott being pulled along by Hooch. Like it was the like, I'm awesome. And then a, it, then a button of humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically the Olympic committee is there. Uh, then there's these uh, terrorists who are going to take over and take them hostage in order to get what they want. Uh, one of the heads of the Olympic Committee has a little daughter, and uh, they are assigned to watch the daughter. And uh, the hostages take over when he's up having tea with the daughter, and uh, it yeah it plays out like a you know like a diehard kind of story. And uh, at one point he has a machine gun. He's like, I've got a machine gun. Yeah, so funny. <laughs> yes. So uh, they, they also, at the very end, they Hooch finds the, uh, the, their dad's watch at the park. So that kind of continues on that story. Like, what was the watch doing there? What are, you know, we're kind of trying to put the clues together there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this one was really good. I liked this episode a lot. Uh, and um and also, we also get a little dynamic because you have Trent on the A team and you have Scott on the B team, and it doesn't like that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, and it 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 does show you a bit of one of Scott's flaws, and you gotta love when you have a main character with flaws, right? Um, which is that he wants external approval. He wants the glory. He wants the. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to be on the A team. Yeah. So, what would you give this episode one to ten? Um, I would have said nine, but I will say that the little girl was like a little bit of a brat for me. So that's kind of an issue for me. So I'm going to only give it an eight point five, probably. Mm. Yeah, I I think you kind of need her to be though in order for well. Like- to- for him to get into the different scenarios but yeah it, I mean, it, it was just a little a little irritating yeah i feel like there's a way to service that story mm-hmm. without needing to just resort to the easy option of her being spoiled mm. yeah uh, all right i will i will give it i'll agree with you i'll get 8.5 I, but let's go yeah there we go all right, episode three. So three, diamonds are forever. <laughs> Scott tracks down a notorious jewel thief and Hooch gets obsessed with a squeaky toy. <laughs> I yes. liked the beginning of this episode when Erica is running with him. <laughs> She's the best. Do you have any idea how many times in my life I have pretended like I enjoy something like exercise, literally just exercise. I enjoy yeah. most other things to be like try to impress a guy like i'm on a hike no i don't hate this this is great guy i'm interested in no (laughs) she's like maybe we should take an uber back she's so she's the best uh and so then we also have trent getting an award and so that's something that he's really jealous about he ends up having scott ends up having to work with trent there's, they are trying to find this jewel thief, Krista St. Jean, uh, who's very, very sneaky, as most jewel thieves are. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and then we have them, uh, 
him helping his nephew with the with this volcano project and it did kind of exhaust me that they they destroyed it three times i was like oh like at a certain point have it when you're done you don't just give it to the kid right like put it on top of the fridge guys yeah put it away put it in the car if you have to like put it away that was stressful (laughs) yeah oh no uh, but yeah, and then Hooch has this squeaky toy and it is just so loud and driving Scott crazy. Well, have- okay. The squeaky toy is the best thing in the whole world <laughs> because it's a red herring mm-hmm. as in a red herring. Right. <laughs> when it you is- have animals, you must relate to this a little bit, at least of like, oh, I only driving have- you crazy. I only have one animal. Oh, okay. Luna died. Uh huh. So I mean, honestly, I had a terrible year. Um, but Aww. I have Piper, and she is irritating. But she's she doesn't really have like toys that make noise. Mm-hmm. Cats don't really do the noise thing. Yeah. Well, so he found the toy when trying to find this rob this uh, jewel thief, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, basically Erica tells him that you know that. Uh, dogs for for dogs play and work are the same thing so you have to just tell them what you what you what you want and then follow them basically is how it is yeah and uh, basically they find chris st jane at the airport uh and uh there's quite the little like shoot off that happens mm-hmm. yeah and then this is where you have this with, with Laura going to confront the criminal <laughs> to get the files. I was so annoyed. I was, <laughs> I really is so yeah. annoying. Just like, don't do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably not wise to do. PSA to anyone listening. If you suspect that there's some crime going on, don't go investigate it yourself. Right. Not only are you in danger, if there is. But if there is something going on, the police can't use any of the information you get. Yeah, you you would have liked it on this last Aurora Tea Garden. Uh, you know, Lynn played Miranda Frigon when uh-huh. she's one of the agents. She finally just lost it on Aurora and did this huge speech about how Aurora is a puzzle solver and puzzle solvers are great. But if if they spent if she spent all her time following every single puzzle, then she would never get anything done. And uh, it was a good moment. It was well, and not only that, liked it. <laughs> like you are not allowed to just go spy on people. Mm-hmm. Like you have to get a warrant. There's like laws and rules mm-hmm. and constitutional stuff involved, right. and like Miranda rights and things. Like guys, mm-hmm. well, and I think that I don't. I don't think that every the rules of evidence are important, right? And but I I think that that you don't have to have a warrant if you're a private citizen looking into something, but the way that an officer would, but nevertheless, you're certainly putting yourself in peril and, and you don't have the skills. But in order for them to use it in a criminal prosecution, it has to be obtained legally. There's like certain where, where the evidence needs to be obtained in a certain fashion. Unless it's like public records that you're looking into, like then whatever. Mm -hmm. 
or you're just like a random witness. Sure. You know, that's one thing. But anyway, yeah, so she just she does end up not doing it, which is good. <laughs> um, he's like, what are you doing? And then we also see Trent, of course, takes all the credit, even though he wasn't even like at the airport at all. He literally swooped in. Yeah. And then you have this our first appearance of Brooke at the end of the episode. As yeah, the I was I was a little bit like, is that Becca Tobin? That was me watching the show. Yeah. Is that Becca Tobin? And it was. Yeah. Yeah. So well, what would you give this one one to ten? Um, honestly, I do think this one was I I thought this episode was pretty good. The red herring thing made me laugh so hard. It's like just the small things in life that make mm-hmm. me happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would probably give this like an 8.4. I thought it was a really good episode. Very solid. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a I'll give it an eight because I did I like, like the diehard one better, but all right. So then episode four, we have in the line of fur. Yeah. In the line of fur. Scott attempts to impress his ex-girlfriend when he and Hooch are assigned to protect a grumpy judge from a mob assassin. And that pretty much says it all. Uh, This was the first appearance of Paul Campbell, though, in this episode. Yes, it was. Yeah. And he's really, as we said, he's really relaxed. He really wants to play video games and hang out. And uh, he he puts Laura in the position of sort of being the bad cop a lot of times in her eyes, at least, uh, because she wants to get things done. And he's like, no, we should go to breakfast. We should play video games, the kind of thing. And of course the kid, the son wants to do all those fun things. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, we don't know their dynamic of the relationship before the divorce. Like if it mm-hmm. was like this all the time, obviously that's super frustrating. Um, yeah. But I can understand like, if you are a parent, and you only have your kid sometimes you want to do fun things with your kid during those times Mm -hmm. right yeah I mean that's why I was always I was jealous of my friends that had divorced parents because they got to always do all this fun stuff on the weekends and we had to do Saturday chores yeah like (laughs) I mean it's not necessarily like right but I understand why that would be yeah the approach but but I mean, for example, but with the playing the video games thing where Laura ends up staying and playing the games with them and blows off her whole day and doesn't do any of the stuff she was supposed to do, that's not Grady's fault. Like if someone invites you to do something and then you choose to do it and blow off your other responsibilities, that's not on Grady. And I think that's good that she ultimately does take responsibility for that. She's like, I mean, it is my fault, but. I need you to help me out here. Like, mm-hmm. I think that, I think the, the fight they had at the end was actually very productive. Yeah. And he does end up bringing the docs at the end, which is what yeah. he wanted all along. So he does come through in the end and uh, you have him asking uh, Brooke, you have, sorry, you have Scott asking Brooke on a date. And this is the same place that uh, he'd want to take her before, but things just went wrong. And so there's this fancy French restaurant. He ends up putting gel in his hair and everybody keeps commenting, which I thought was funny. <laughs> He's like, oh, the gel. Is that this one? I thought that was the next one. I wrote it on my notes. Uh, they changed his hair gel, LOL. Oh, he did change his hair gel. Hair gel. Yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. Sorry. Um, and uh, this judge, 
he is a lot okay he is beyond ridiculous and he is like okay i just need to complain like he's obviously the date is in the next episode i messed that up that date is he's a terrible judge because if he doesn't know the the rules that he's like not allowed to send people to do this kind of thing as a federal judge like he's not a good judge like the whole point of the judge is they're supposed to know the laws and like refer to laws and even after there's a sniper incident he still is being like why are you doing this why are you why are you treating him like if i would think that that especially that would be like okay i need to not be so difficult yeah absolutely like that's the thing like him starting out that way was irritating him staying that way unbelievable yeah because he the, the after the sniper incident he makes them go do crash duty and it's like they just saved your life it's unbelievable yeah and like sending them back for hot sauce like bro if you like hot sauce that much why don't you have a whole store of it at your house right I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't deal with him. Even for one episode. Yeah. He does end up being able to spray the, uh, the hot sauce on the, uh, he uses the hot sauce in defense. Yeah, sure. But it was just, I don't know. That mean, that would hurt like a Dickens, but yeah. I I don't know. I, the thing was a lot. I'll grant you that definitely. And a lot, and mm-hmm. I, I just hated it, which is, you know, I think you're supposed to hate it because you're like not supposed to enjoy doing judge mm-hmm. duty or whatever. Um, but this episode really was only the, the whole point of the episode was that Scott was gonna spend time with the Brooke character, yes, and he gets a hug from her at the end, which was pretty, uh, you know, was a big moment and also he this is his first time working with xavier oh yeah but that was pretty fun too and the uh, surfing wisdom (laughs) yes um but the the whole point the whole best part of the episode was obviously at the end when erica comes well i mean because erica helps him figure out that is the transceiver or whatever and then at the end she wants to check on everyone and there's the like erica versus brooke nice off like oh my gosh you're so pretty no you're so pretty <laughs> yeah because erica so- figures out that there's the that the, the tracker is in the judges robes or whatever yeah yeah so uh, what would you give this one one to ten um i'm gonna give this one like a seven i think that's fair all right, uh, last one, Road to Smell Dorado. <laughs> yes. Scott Hooch and Xavier search for a fugitive in the quirky small town of El Dorado. So it's actually this one, I misspoke. This is the one where he invites Brooke to the French the French dinner. Yes. And, um, and so this episode just made me that. like so irritated with Scott, honestly. Really? Because I felt was- a little bit bad for him because- I mean, it's not unreasonable for him to to expect to want to be able to go on this date that he had planned. And then Xavier just kept uh, like just putting one more thing and, and not caring about that. And, well, and I guess the thing that's irritating me about Scott is that it's reaching the point of how do you not realize that Erica has feelings for you? Hmm. Like it, I just think it's it's starting to strain credulity that he's this dense. 
Well, that's such a classic dynamic though, you know, of like, again, like Jim and Pam, you know, like Pam is so oblivious for so long. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. It's like, how do you not know? And, and I'm like, and he ditched on Erica. I just was irritated. I started yeah. getting irritated because he blew off Erica at the beginning. Um, and, and also, also the first thing is er- Laura is staking out that guy's house. Yes. I did like, he's like, you're all- he says you're all hopped up on juice boxes and I don't like it. Yeah. And then she, he's like, wait outside. And she's like, I waited for 10 Mississippis. How many Mississippis am I expected to wait? How about when you stop counting things in Mississippis, you're allowed to go into a potentially dangerous situation. What did you think of the whole dynamic though, between Laura and the girl from the high school? I actually really like that. Um, so as we've talked about, I was kind of a bill kind of a bully in elementary school mm-hmm. like not like a physical bully and I like I was very similar to the Lara situation where I was like never outwardly rude to anyone but I like wasn't nice does that help mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. I felt I kind of felt that so I kind of understood where Laura was coming from in that situation as far as like feeling bad and realizing like you should have been better but also I was like what 10 so I need to right. up about this at least when she, I mean, she was in high school, she should have known slightly better because, you know, as you grow, you learn more. Um, but everyone's always growing. So who am I to judge? Anyway, I really enjoyed that. I liked her getting to connect with this other girl and I liked her sort of, sort of seeing with that, where all of the other people from her high school were like, all of them were at that one fish place for lunch. And she like knew everybody. And then the girl that she didn't know was, had this like rich, interesting life and she would mm-hmm. never have even known about it. And one line was actually so funny to me where they were like, you know, the girl who said her dad invented tie-dye, turns out, yeah, yeah. actually kind of did. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's just like such a thing that the kids would like not believe. And then it actually is true. Hilarious. I yeah, it kind of reminded me of Lisa and I were just talking about how to fall in love for On Friendship. Uh-huh. And, you know, and in that one, the Brooke Dorsey character doesn't realize that she had hurt Eric Mabus's character in that way in high school. She was just sort of being, you know, a kid in high school. <laughs> like she had no idea that she was being so hurtful. She was 15, you know, but it did. And she realized it, obviously. And it's kind of a similar, sort of a similar dynamic. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, though. Once you grow and mature and you have an opportunity to to do better or to be better or to, you know, try to express remorse or make amends mm-hmm. or whatever. Once you have that opportunity and the realization that you've done something wrong, if you don't take it, that's when you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and Laura to. took that opportunity to make things better. And not have only to ask, that, do oh, you yeah. have, do you have a go-to karaoke song? It's your song um I do it is <laughs> La Bamba okay <laughs> mine is Wide Open Spaces from the Dixie Chicks that's a song that's right in my range I know I can nail <laughs> so this is the thing about karaoke for me mm-hmm. nobody likes sitting I mean I in my opinion nobody likes sitting there and listening to someone sing a ballad for like five right. minutes because all ballads are super long That's and true. so and like 
especially if the person's not like super great, but they think they're (laughs) super great. It's just like long and awful. And like, why I want karaoke to be like a party. Mm -hmm. And so like, anytime there's like a group of people singing karaoke is great. Because it's at least those people are having fun, even if everyone else isn't. But like La Bamba, if you're by yourself, like everybody can have fun with La Bamba. Right. And it's like super short. It's a super short song. Oh, that's true. I Will Survive is a fun one that always. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, If you can, if like you want like to pump people up, like the people who sing like long ballads (laughs) and they do like lots of vocal runs I'm like bro this is karaoke this is not <laughs> open mic night yeah you don't want someone left the cake out in the rain <laughs> no. no I don't know maybe I'm rude maybe I'm a jerk but that's just how I feel about karaoke it should be a party yeah it shouldn't be a talent show yeah and if you have seen the new uh Shang Chi I have There's not. A very funny karaoke element in the movie. <laughs> An aside. Uh, but anyway, um, so Hooch ends up getting skunked in this episode. Yes. And everyone keeps telling Scott, you got to use tomato juice, tomato juice, tomato juice. So he spends $517 on tomato juice. Yeah, on, on all his fancy it. lodge tomato juice. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't work. Uh, and so that's when you do get the kind of cute scene at the end with Brooke and Scott, uh, using the, the, well, and didn't, didn't soap. Scott say it was like the shining in there because there was all the <laughs> tomato juice everywhere. It really did look like it. It was so funny. I, yeah. that was such a good, like set up in line, like top drawer, top drawer, mm-hmm. way to go. Yeah. And so then they end up looking into this whole situation and there's this counterfeit ring that's part of this gallery. And uh, there's this, even there's this point where Xavier ends up getting shot by the gallery owner, but he has a bulletproof vest. So that was, I wasn't worried about it because I mean, this show is like rated G, right? It's Um, not even rated PG, is it? Gotta be PG it's gotta be with the, with the, with the amount of action and, um, violence. I would be surprised. Oh, no, it I, is PG. It is PG. Yeah. But I will like, I was like, he's not dead. He's got a vest on. I'm not worried. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and he's such a new character, but nevertheless, I mean, the show was a little bit more violent than I expected it to be. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fine, but I just don't expect to see that from, from Disney plus. Yeah. So, but I actually, I've, I've, I mean, I really liked it. Yeah. And I thought it was, I mean, the, the case is right. Like mm-hmm. you, you knew, you know, who the bad guy is. Sure. And, and that's because the cases are very simple and the mysteries are very simple. Mm-hmm. And I think that's by design because they're not supposed to be, this isn't, a, this isn't CSI where you're like, yeah. oh, who did it? It's like the stories are a vehicle to drive us to where we want our characters to go, mm-hmm. but not even, I mean, it's, it's not even like that. It's like, um, those people movers they have at the airport, right. It's not even mm-hmm. like an, it just like, right. they help, they help you walk <laughs> a little <laughs> faster. Um, that's sort of what the cases are. And I think they need to keep them fairly simple and not complex 
so that families who watch it together because you mm-hmm. can watch this with your kids it's not inappropriate right that the kids watching can still understand the story yeah and so then we have a dinner with with this girl natalie and her boss who they had been uh had been spying on earlier in the show and he basically says like your dad was investigating more than me yeah was more so that kind of leads us into more uh, and then Natalie quits working for him and we get this other dinner between Jessica Darius who's who's Jess who's Jess's husband and they both basically say to Erica you like Scott you need to do something you need to put it out there and so she's going to and then we get the scene with them with Brooke and Scott cleaning Cooch and you see on the phone you see Erica is trying to call so oh what (laughs) who knows find out when we watch the rest of the episodes that's right so what would you give this episode I actually really love this episode I'm gonna give this episode an eight I think that's good yeah because this episode had a lot of production too I mean they spent money on this show and particularly in this episode I mean you had the airport the plane the you know the speeding chase the I mean there's some action set pieces in here that that weren't cheap no and I mean I think it's I don't think it's money wasted because I think it 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 helps the the whole story feel richer Mm -hmm. not necessarily like "Mm, looks like they spent money richer but like you know what I mean you get it I agree I agree. So there we go. That's the five episodes. Let us know what you think of this show, of the characters, of the five episodes. We want to hear your thoughts in the comment section or on Twitter. And it's so great to have you back, Amber. It was so much fun. I'm excited to, to recap the rest of it. Uh, but I love getting a chance to, to podcast with you whenever I can. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. And I've been sort of feeling like I just wish I had something I wanted to talk about. Mm. The the thing is, I've just been so apathetic about everything ever. And then this show was like, it speaks to my soul. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Well, how can people follow you on social media? All that fun stuff. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Amber Brainwaves, but really, unless you're interested in the Utah Jazz or BYU football, you're probably not going to want to follow me on Instagram or I mean on Twitter. So, well, we'll put it in the, in the description anyway, and you can follow me at Rachel's reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Check that out and make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod, Hallmarkies Podcast, all over social media. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We appreciate that so much. And if you are listening on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel and consider joining the Patreon. We have the patron watch alongs with people like Paul Campbell every month. This month, we are doing one just this week, this Friday. Our patron watch along is with Brittany Bristow and we're watching Love, Romance and Chocolate. And that's going to be super fun. So if you want to have the opportunity to join in on the patron watch alongs and the other activities in our Facebook group, it's only $2 a month. It's super cheap. It's great please take a look. We would really appreciate it. And then we also have our merch store, which has tons of fun designs and we're going to have some really fun stuff for Christmas coming up. So make sure that you check that out. And uh, thanks so much again, Amber, and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye everyone. Bye everybody.